0: Well, today we are starting a brand new series called Revived. But uh, before we dive into that, I, I do like to start with something funny, and I haven't done that in a while. So I decided it's time to go back to my roots. Now, just remember that church is a place of grace, not judgment, all right? So give me a little grace, because I haven't done it in a while. But I, I, this weekend, we're going to talk about something. and this Actually, this story relates to what we're going to talk about. I heard this story about a, a woman who was on the table having surgery for a heart condition. While she was on the table, she passed away. God showed up in the operating room and told her, don't worry, you've got 30 more years here on this earth. Well, she woke up and the surgery was over. And she was like, wow, this is awesome. I got another chance at life and I'm going to take advantage of this. So she talked to the doctor. She said, I think I need some more surgeries since I got more time. And so she had a tummy tuck and she had liposuction and, um, she also had hair transplants, she got fillers, and you know, she finally recovered and she, they released her from the hospital and she comes walking out feeling good, thinking she's looking good with some swag and walks into the street and boom, gets hit by a car and dies. Ends up in heaven. She's like, God, what happened? I thought you said I had 30 years left on earth. God said, you know, that's right. She goes, well, what happened? He goes, sorry, I didn't recognize you. Um, <laughs> Amen. Amen. (laughs) All right. We probably better pray or something. All right, come on, everybody stand to your feet. We're starting a new series called Revived. And I want you to read a verse with me found in Psalm chapter 85. You know, today as you're standing, I just want you to take a moment. We have our church family joining us, not only here in this location, but we have... Higher Vision Santa Paula joining us right now. We have Higher Vision Blythe joining us. As you know, Higher Vision Canyon Country is coming online very soon. We also have people in Long Beach, Riverside, Stockton, Modesto, Escondido, Antioch, Colorado, Nebraska, Louisiana, Tennessee, Hawaii, Mexico. Come on, can you, Acapulco, Mexico. Put your hands together. In fact, come on, all of our campuses, put your hands together, all of our locations. Let's just get connected as a church family wow how awesome is that how awesome is that now I want you in in Santa Paula and Blythe and wherever you are in Mexico why don't you join us you can stand your feet I want us to read this psalm Psalm 85 verse 6 let's read it together out loud you ready here we go won't you revive us again I want to try that again come on let's say it again get this in our heart ready won't you revive us again so your people can rejoice in you. Will you just close your eyes? All of our locations, just close your eyes. If you want to reach out to God, you can do that. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We make room for you. Lord, as we lean in right now, I pray that you just fill our hearts. You'd anoint this time in Jesus' name. Say this with me. Say, God, I want to be revived. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. If you, thank you so much. If you uh, joined us last weekend, you may not have known what happened in the third service. The 1145 service, we had God kind of show up in a profound and a beautiful way. In fact, it was a way that I've never seen happen in the 14 years here In that way, we've seen God move in outpourings and powerful ways. We've seen him move in services. But last Sunday during the third service, the Holy Spirit just came on me and I kept trying to preach. And every time I'd try to preach, I just broke down and I'd start to weep. And I kept trying to preach and I kept breaking down. Finally, I'm like, okay, God, I'm getting the message. And so I walked away from the screen and I. I just said, I want you to right now, the Holy Spirit is here, I want you to just lift your hands. And people began lifting their hands all across the auditorium. People began praying. It turned into a prayer meeting. We started praying for revival and we we felt prompted. We started calling people forward and it was like half of the congregation were smashed all around, literally bunched up all around the uh, front of the auditorium into the aisles. People had their hands. Devette, my wife, came forward and we began praying for God to renew strength and to revive hearts. And it was a powerful move in fact it didn't stop there on Tuesday I called our staff together and it turned into this amazing prayer meeting and we walked around the campus and and I just sense in my heart in fact God changed the direction of what I was going to speak on I was going to preach on the book of Philemon throughout the month of of November and I felt the Lord wanted me to change and I'm going to preach on two topics over this month for the next two weeks we're going to talk on the theme revived revived I believe what God wants to bring, a sense of revival, awakening. The second thing is in two weeks, I'm going to preach on angels. I'm going to talk to you about what the Bible has to say about angels. This week, as I was praying and thinking about this concept of being revived, the word revived is in definition that it means simply this, to restore back to consciousness, to regain life, to regain strength. The context of the verse that we read was that the children of Israel had come out of the exile back into the land that God had given them, but they really weren't thriving. They were just surviving. I mean, they had just enough strength to get by. How many here have ever felt like you just needed God to to wake you up and give you strength? How many are tired of surviving and you want to thrive? You know, the Bible says that Jesus said, I came to give you life and life more abundantly. And so he wants us to live an abundant life. And so I felt the Lord stirring me with this prayer that it should be our prayer. And that is, revive us, O God. So as I, I thought about that and I prayed about that, what I, you know, realized is that many times what's happening in a spiritual sense can be seen in the natural. So what I want to do is I want to take a practical thing about when someone is revived, if you pass away or whatever, there is a revival process or a reviving process in the natural and it's called CPR. I want to introduce you to Annie. Everybody say hello, Annie. This is Annie and um, CPR is basically cardiopulmonary resuscitation someone's heart may have stopped or uh, quit working or whatever, and so people will come and they will begin the CPR process. What they'll do when that happens is they'll place their hands together, they'll place the hand on the area where the heart is, right above on the chest where the end of the, the chest bone is and the ribs come together, they'll place it there and they'll begin what's called compressions, heart compressions, and they'll go about two inches down and they'll compress the heart. Now, you can't go too fast or too slow. You got to have the right rhythm. You want to try to have the rhythm of the heart. And what's interesting is the best way to do it is to remember the song, which I think is very apropos, "Staying Alive. Uh, 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 stay. Anybody heard the song? So that's the way we do it. So it's uh, 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 Staying alive. Come on, y'all with me? Uh. So you, 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 You pump the heart, right, and you get the blood flowing, and then there's the second part of reviving someone, and that is that you go to -to mouth-to-mouth resuscitation. Now, this is Annie. I hope my wife isn't upset about this, but, um, and so I'm going to have to give mouth-to-mouth to to Annie, and um, next week, we're going to focus on this part. This weekend, we're going to focus on this part. Now, I just want you to know, some of you are like, man, this is awesome. I'm going to get certified as a CPR today with Pastor Jared. Well, listen, with all of my extensive knowledge of research on YouTube, you're not in good hands. So you need to have your own CPR certification, all right? I'm not certifying anyone today. I just learned a few things on the internet. (laughs) But as I thought about this, I realized that the natural is a reflection of the spiritual, And so if we're going to have a revival or a reviving spiritually, what needs to happen? Well, what needs to happen is simply this. If you're taking notes, write it down. Is we need God to revive our hearts. To have a revival, an awakening, we need God to revive our hearts. Now, what's interesting is the word heart is used in the Bible 830 times. And when the heart is used, many times it's used with an adjective to describe it. So here are some examples of the word heart being used. One is a wise heart, a heavy heart, a sincere heart, a rebellious heart, a proud heart, the Bible says, a pure heart, an upright heart, a contrite heart, a clean heart, undivided heart, or a blameless heart, a perverse heart, a lustful heart a deceitful heart, a joyful heart, a cheerful heart, a happy heart. My question is, what describes your heart? What is the description of your heart? Now, when it comes to this idea of being revived, how many know that with our body, we have organs in our body, and certain organs, if they quit functioning like your kidney, there's a treatment. You can have... Dialysis and you can continue to live But how many know if the heart organ If it stops working How many know it's over? Yes. So you have to revive the heart And so what happens is People will end up with a heart condition And that's what causes their need To be revived Let me tell you some natural heart conditions That people will have Where they'll have to sometimes experience CPR Here's the first one <clears throat> It's called CHF which is congestive heart failure. That's a heart condition where people will often need potentially CPR. They can die from congestive heart failure. Let me give you another one. HA, ha, heart attack. I mean, no, that's no laughing matter. Ba-dum-ching, sorry, I just, uh, heart attack. Let me give you another one. CA, which is cardiac arrest. These are conditions of the heart. And as I began to pray about it and I began to look at scripture, I discovered that there's actually a spiritual heart condition and that spiritual heart condition I want to give to you, it's called HHS, which stands for hard hearted syndrome, hard heart syndrome, hardened heart. Now, what happens is when you have a heart condition, if you have, for instance, a uh, uh, a cardiac heart failure or a congestive heart failure, what will happen is your heart will become so weak that it's not able to plump, pump the... Did I just say plump? Yeah. Some of you have a plump heart condition. <laughs> um, and what happens is, is it can't push the blood out of the heart to the other parts of your body because the, the, the muscle has become weakened. So what happens is, is the bottom... Um, ve- ventricles and so on they begin to fill up with blood and then you begin to f- have fluid produced and suddenly your heart fills with fluid it goes into your lungs other parts of your body you, and then what happens is is because you have a heart condition people think that when you have a heart condition that your heart stops but actually what happens is your heart many times still keeps working for a while you just don't know you have a heart condition until you've experienced the symptoms. So if you have a congestive heart failure, here are the symptoms of a congestive heart failure. Number one, extreme fatigue. Pastor Evan, who was here not long ago and preached at our church from Hawaii, his dad recently had congestive heart failure. And he had this in- incredible fatigue. He could barely get out of bed. He was just so tired. And that was because of a symptom of his congestive heart failure. Another symptom is coughing. Coughing. Many times that'll happen, probably because the lungs start to fill up with fluids and you're having a hard time breathing and you're coughing. That's another symptom to tell you you have congestive heart failure. Another symptom is that your feet, your ankle, and your your legs start to swell. These are symptoms. And when you start to see the symptoms, it gives you the indication that there's a problem with your heart. So what do you do? You call 911. So as I prayed about it, if people in church have HHS, hardened heart syndrome, then what are the symptoms of a hard heart? And so what I want to do is I want to take a few minutes, first of all, to tell you the symptoms of a hard heart. And then I'm going to end with telling you, what do we do? What is the procedure that'll help us get rid of our hard heart so that we can be revived? How many want to live a a living, thriving, uh, abundant life that God's called you to say amen. amen? So you ready to learn today? So here's the first symptom of a hard heart. You ready? Number one, you lose compassion. Come on, out in in Santa Paula or Blythe or if you're joining us in Louisiana, a hardened heart can be seen by losing our compassion. I want to show you a verse, and it's found in Deuteronomy chapter 15. Look what it says. It's God speaking to the children of Israel. They're going to the promised land. They're going to get there. And so God tells them something. He says, if there are any poor Israelites among you, when you arrive in the land the Lord is giving you, do not be, what does it say? It says, do not be hard-hearted. Instead, be generous and lend them whatever they need. It's interesting because basically God says is this. He says, listen, when you get out of slavery and you're not a slave anymore, when you've been set free, when you've experienced blessing and you're not poor and just surviving, but you're walking in the blessing, here's what's gonna happen. You're gonna be tempted to get a hard heart and when you get a hard heart, you're gonna lose your compassion. Let me ask you a question. When was the last time you truly had a compassionate heart? Reminds me of the story of Jesus. Remember when Jesus said there was a man who was beat and he was laying on the side of the road? And along comes a religious man who loved God, supposedly, and read the scriptures. And what happens? When he sees this man in need, he steps to the other side of the road and he keeps on going. And then along comes a Levite and he sees the man. And what does he do? He steps to the other side of the road and he keeps on going. And it was only when the good Samaritan comes, the person who hated the Jews, that actually helped him. And when you read that story, what I find interesting is that they stepped to the other side. And Why did they do that? I think that sometimes we step to the other side of the needs of people around us because our hearts are callous and we come up with excuses. I'm sure that his excuse was, you know, I, I, here's the excuse we use because it's easy to point the finger at the priest, right? But we do the same thing. We walk by people in the cubicle next to us we walk by the person at the store who's out front with nothing to eat, and we say, well, you know, I, I'd help them, but they probably deserve it. They, they made their bed, so they got to sleep in it. Well, I, I'd give them food, or I'd give them some money, but they'll probably just use it on drugs. And the next thing you know, our hearts have become hard. And Now, let me say, there's obviously wise decisions with certain things in helping people, But you see, here's the reality is if you really have compassion, here's what you need to understand about compassion. Simply this, and that is, guys, if you pull up the quote, compassion creates action. When was the last time that you acted in response to the compassion that God placed on your heart for someone who is in need? Maybe you haven't been compassion because there's been no action And the reason is there's a symptom. And the symptom is my heart's gotten hard. You see, what God's saying is don't forget that you used to be a slave. Don't forget that you used to be broke, busted, and disgusted. Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? Don't forget that you used to be in pain. Don't forget that you used to be bound. Don't forget that you used to be broken. Don't forget where I brought you from. Remember where you've come from. Don't let your heart get hard. God, revive us. Revive our hearts. Let me me give you another symptom. Maybe the second symptom of a hard heart is that it tells you this. you've, you've, You've lost your conscience. We've lost our conscience. I want to show you a verse in the Bible. It's in the New Testament in 1 Timothy chapter 4. And look what it says. It says in the later times, in other words, as we get closer to the return of Christ, in the end times, it says, in later times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as a hot iron. In other words, people who love God who call themselves believers, Christians, are going to get so hard. In fact, the word seared there, in the, in the Greek, it means this. It means callous, unfeeling, dead. As we get closer to the return of Christ, people are going to start to have a dead, unfeeling, seared conscience. And that's why Jesus said, listen, when I leave, I have to leave because the the Holy Spirit needs to come. And when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to do some things. He's going to be the comforter. He's going to guide you into all truth. But he's also going to do this. He's going to convict the world of sin. When was the last time you felt the conviction of God? Because if you haven't felt his conviction Maybe you got HHS. You know, the Bible says that, that, that literally that Jesus, or the scripture says, Paul says that he turned people over to a reprobate mind because they continued in sin so much that their heart was hardened and they wouldn't listen anymore. They couldn't feel anymore. You know, how many know that if we don't have conviction, now, I know some of you are, oh, no, we're talking about conviction. You don't, you don't hear that in church anymore. Conviction. Now, let me stop and say, there is therefore now no condemnation to anyone who is in Christ. But what I'm scared of is that we've focused so much on the message of grace that we've said, and let me say, we believe and we teach the amazing power of the grace of God. You're not saved through works You're saved through faith in Jesus. But the problem is, is that people have gotten to a place where they come to God for forgiveness, but not repentance. And so they say, I'm sorry, and then continue to live in sin. What did Paul say? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? No, God sent the Holy Spirit, yes, to forgive you, and yes, to cover you. Yes, you'll never be perfect. Now, some of you I know are really close. You and Jesus, you're like this. You got it down. But how many know some of us are still working it out? And aren't you thankful for the grace of God? We're thankful for the grace of God. But I'm also thankful for the conviction of God that sometimes leans down into my heart and says, no, you can't do that. No, you shouldn't say that. No, you shouldn't do that. We need the conviction of God again. The church has got HHS. We've got a hardened heart. How many know that if you don't teach your children what's wrong, they'll continue in what is wrong. Come on, we, well, we just learned it with Halloween. Some of you, mean, what are you talking about? Uh, we went down and we got to hang out with our niece and nephew and they went trick-or-treating and got candy and, you know, we got to see them. How many know that when they come home and they pour out their candy, that they realize that their siblings' candy is better than their candy? And so what do they do? They want to steal their candy. And we have to teach them. The problem is, is We steal it too. (laughs) Come on, how many parents, when your kids are gone, you find yourself wanting to go by their room to see if there's any Reese's in the candy box? Come on, you what I'm talking about? (laughs) Because if we don't teach them that you can't steal candy, they'll steal candy for the rest of their life. And there's a lot of us that what we don't realize is our heart has become hardened to the point where we don't feel the conviction of God anymore. And I think God is trying to revive his church to experience his conviction. Why? So that he can transform us and he can change us. When was the last time that you felt the conviction of God? I'll tell you, for me, it was Friday. Friday, we were on our way, no, Thursday, we were on our way to Fresno to see uh, our niece and nephew, and um, we were driving over the grapevine, we are in the car, and my wife and I, Tibet, got into a fight. How many of you out there, married couples, have ever been in a fight? <laughs> Let me ask this question How many of you have ever had a fight that you would call a doozy? <laughs> How many of you know that's a whole nother level, the doozy? <laughs> And so we get into this fight, and and so we're 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 arguing with each other and, and we're going at it and and somebody like you have you do that, Pastor Jared? Yes. Sometimes. Not very often. We love each other very much, but we had a doozy. And it was one of those doozies when you're done, it did not reconcile well. And so it was like we just stopped talking, and she put in her headphones, and I put in my headphones. And as soon as I put my headphones in, my stomach went. And you know what it was? It was the conviction of God. You were out of line, Jared. I fought it for a while. (laughs) But finally, after time, I said, in fact, it was funny. I, I don't know if I haven't told this to the vet, but I kept looking at her to get eye contact because I knew I ne- needed to say, I'm sorry, but she was not going to look at me. Because <laughs> I was in the wrong. Finally, she did, and then I'm like, I'm sorry. When, when was the last time? You said something you shouldn't say and you felt the conviction of God. You did something you shouldn't do and you felt the conviction of God. Because I'm telling you, If you don't feel the conviction of God, if your conscience has been seared, maybe you have HHS. And maybe you need to say, Lord, revive me. Can I I give you the third, the third symptom of a hard heart of HHS? You lose your hearing. Some of you are like, what was that? (laughs) Cheap joke, sorry. You lose your hearing. Let me read to you what it says in Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter three, verse seven says this. I love this passage. This is kind of one of those moments where God is speaking to a prophet about the people of God. Here's what he says. He says to Ezekiel, but Israel won't listen. I I could just imagine he's looking at at, at Ezekiel. He's like, look at, look at, listen, listen. (laughs) Linda, listen. Come on, anybody ever seen the video? This is the listen verse of the Bible. Ezekiel, listen, look it, look it. Israel won't listen to you anymore than they listen to me. Why? For the whole lot of them are hard-hearted. I'm telling you, when you get a hard heart, you don't hear the voice of the Lord anymore. Santa Paula, maybe there's someone in, in your location right now, somebody in Blythe right now, and it, you can't even remember the last time God spoke to you. You even come to church and Pastor Jared's jokes aren't funny anymore and, and the, the sermon, I am not I don't know what it is. It's just not the way it used to be. Maybe, maybe it's not me not preaching in the way that I used to. Maybe it's that you're struggling with your hearing because your heart has gotten hard. you're not getting anything out of the sermon and when you do your devotions, you don't get anything anymore and you're in worship and you don't hear him anymore. That's why I love what the passage says in Hebrews chapter three, verse seven, God says this, he says this, he says, hear my voice. So don't harden your hearts as the children of Israel did. You know, sometimes we just don't listen because our hearts are hard. I found an interesting story about President Roosevelt. President Roosevelt was so tired of putting on the presidential smile and saying what he always said and feeling like nobody was ever listening to him. So he decided at one uh, White House event that he was going to do something different. He was going to put on the smile and then he was going to say something different to see if they actually were listening to him. So the reception line came and they began coming up to the president and they'd lean in and he'd put on the smile. And he'd shake their hand and he'd leaned in and he would say, I murdered my grandmother this morning. <laughs> and he said, the responses were typical. People would say, oh, um, how, how, how kind. Good to, good to meet you, Mr. President. And so finally, he kept doing it over and over again, frustrated that no one was listening to him and Finally, the last person in the line happened to be a foreign diplomat. And he walked up and he shook his hand and he said, I murdered my mother this morning. And he, the, the diplomat looked around and leaned in and he said, she probably had it coming. <laughs> but I wonder how many times God is talking, but we're just not listening. We don't hear his voice. We, we don't realize. I recently talked to someone and they were struggling in their life. And, and as I began to peel away the onion, onion layers with them, I began to realize that they had not been hearing God. And you know why they had not been hearing God? Because they'd allowed disobedience in their life. And they began walking in sin. And now suddenly they couldn't hear the voice of the Lord anymore. When was the last time that God really spoke to you? Maybe it's a symptom. It's not fatigue. It's not a cough. But if you haven't heard the voice of the Lord and you don't experience his conviction and you've lost your compassion, maybe you have HHS, hard-hearted syndrome, and so what do we do? Then, then what's our response when our hearts have become hardened? What do we do? How can we be revived? Well, I'm gonna give it to you. It's one very simple thing. If you take a notes, I want you to write this down. It's simply this. We revive our hearts through, come on, I want every location, I want everyone online to say, everyone in this location, say it with me. We revive our hearts through what? Repentance. Repentance. We revive our hearts through repentance. I want to show you a passage of scripture. Isaiah 57 verse 15 says, God says, I restore the crushed in spirit of the humble and revive the courage of those with repentant hearts. The key to revival is repentance. Let me show you another verse in Isaiah, chapter 1, verse 27. It says, those who repent will be revived by his righteousness. You want to be revived. You want to thrive. You want to live and not just get by. You want to live abundant life. Then it starts with saying, God, I want to be someone who has a heart of repentance. We need to repent. We need to seek God. I love this verse that's found in Hosea, chapter 10, verse 12. And basically it says this, it says, plow up the hard ground of your hearts, for now is the time to seek the Lord. Don't let the heart stay hard. Plow it up, that he may come and shower righteousness upon you. You know, Jesus talks about this, and he talks about the fact of the parable of the sower, that God's word will be planted in people's lives but it doesn't produce the kind of fruit that it should. And the reason isn't the word, the word the Bible says when it goes forth, it will return, it won't return void, it'll have some impact, but a lot of people aren't seeing the results of God's word and and voice in their life. And here's why, because God said, Jesus said it this way, he said it's like a farmer who planted seeds on the ground. One seed fell on the path or the hard ground and the, the birds of the air flew in and swooped in and it ate the seed and nothing grew. And some people were, had, it was like stony ground and they planted in stony ground and, and the seed went down and something sprung up real quick. But as soon as the heat came, as soon as trials and pressure came, then suddenly it withered and it died. And he said, then some, they, it's like seed that fell onto thorny ground and it sprung up and grew, but then suddenly this, the thorns grew up and choked out the, the seed and it died. And he said, this is a picture of the word of God falling on the heart's of people. And how many people now are struggling to see change and struggling to see growth? And the reason is, is that their hearts are hard. And every time you come to church and you hear a message, you walk out and it's the last thing on your mind and you forget about it and you're not growing. Why? Because your heart has become hard and you don't even realize it. And now the enemy swoops in and he steals the seed and there's no lasting change because of a hard heart. Or maybe the description of your heart isn't a hard heart. And maybe it's the stony heart. And that is that you're quick to go, oh, that's great. That's awesome. But then suddenly a trial comes. You get sick or you lose your job or you have a struggle in a relationship. And the next thing you know, the seed is dying. Or maybe for some, it's not the hard heart. It's the thorny heart. And that's the heart that the seed comes. But then because of the desires and pleasures of this life. You're so focused on the things of this world and possessions and hobbies and sports and houses and cars and it's suddenly politics and, and I mean, you name it, we can get distracted with anything. The next thing you know, the seed isn't growing anymore because we have HHS. I want to, want to, share with you a couple things. I'm going to bring this to a close. The problem is is that many times when we have a heart problem, at first we don't know it. And if you don't know the symptoms, you're in trouble. We don't know it. Reminds me of I saw an interview recently with Kanye West. He's released a new album called I think it's called Jesus is King. If you haven't got it, I encourage you to get it. I, I got it and listen to it, and some of you might say, well, pastor, how do you feel about that? You know, he's kind of a wild child, and you know, what do you think? Well, here's what I think. Anybody that is starting to fall in love with Jesus and wants to talk about him, I say, fan the flame. Fan the flame. Fan the flame. Yeah, but Pastor says crazy stuff and whatever. Fan the flame. It reminds me of what Jesus said. Remember when Jesus had his disciples run to him and they're like, hey, hey, Jesus, there's some people over here. They're not a part of our group. They don't do it like we do it. And they're actually casting out demons in your name and they're not even in our group. And Jesus said, well, well, hey, if they're not against us, they're for us. So for me, I would say, "Any fan the flame. If you listen to the album, it's not about Kanye. It's about Jesus whole nother topic we could talk about later, but he was interviewed by James Corden. James Corden has that show and he does the thing where they sing in the car together. Well, so he wants to do that with Kanye, but instead he does it in an airplane instead of a car. And when he gets on the plane, instead of it just being him and Kanye singing, the whole plane is filled with the the gospel choir. And they sing with him. And in, the, in this thing, it's pretty cool. And you get to hear some of the songs. He asks Kanye a question. He says this. He says, Kanye, how do you know that this is even real? How do you know that this change in your life is even going to last? And then Kanye said something that I think is appropriate for this message. He said, well, I'll explain it this way. When you're asleep, you don't know you're asleep. But when you wake up, you know you're awake and you know you're not asleep anymore. And you know what I'm praying? I'm praying that there are some Christians who have such a hard heart, we've fallen asleep and we don't even know it anymore. And what this series and why I think God began to move last Sunday and why I believe he's going to move at the outpouring tonight in such a powerful way is because he's wanting to wake us up. And so what do we do? How do we wake up? Well, we start with repentance. We start with this prayer that's found in Psalms chapter 139, and we say, search me, O God, and know my heart and test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting. God, awaken my heart. I repent repent. Repent of my sins. Show your spirit and your spotlight on me. Wake me up. Let me see your spirit alive and well inside of me. I'll end with this. In a moment, I'm going to call our campus pastors to come forward, but hang on just a second, and then I'll call the team out. You see, when someone has a congestive heart failure, their heart still pumps. And so you, you basically, you do the compressions, and the reason you do the compressions is you pump the heart so that blood keeps flowing to the brain, and basically what you're doing is you're stalling until a real life-saving or life-altering measure can be done so that the heart starts and continues pumping. So by doing CPR, the blood still goes to the brain, and you're, you're protecting that hopefully um, when they do come out of it, if they do get revived that they're not gonna be brain dead. That's, that's a big part of it. Now next week we're gonna talk about drowning and we're gonna talk about this part and there's a whole other teaching that we're gonna talk on with the, the breath and the spirit and we're gonna dive into it next week. But what's interesting is if you have a heart attack, what happens with a heart attack is that there'll be a clot that stops the flow of blood to your heart. And so because the blood can't get to your heart, the tissue of the heart starts to die. And it'll eventually stop. So what you do is you're trying to, you know, keep the blood flowing. So sometimes that doesn't work. So what they have to do is they have to take a defibrillator. And they take the defibrillator and they put it on the chest of the person who needs to be revived. And then they say clear and charge it. And boom, they send an electrical current. And the shock initiates and hopefully starts the heart moving again. When I began to think about it and pray about it, that's not what God does. Because when that happens, here's what happens. Yes, it starts the heart and it starts pumping again. But guess what? Now you have a heart that's pumping, but it's still damaged. Because whatever got destroyed in the tissue of your heart, in that heart condition, it doesn't get fixed. It doesn't get healed. You just have a pumping heart that's damaged. Can I tell you, that's not what God does because when God revives you, here's what the scripture says. He says in Ezekiel 36, verse 26, he says, I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. And I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. When you repent to God, when you reach out to God, he takes out the brokenness and he takes out the damage and he places something new that's whole and healed and loving and caring inside of you you. And that's why, that's why I believe God is saying that we need to pray like the children of Israel prayed, revive us, oh Lord. Some of you need a new heart because there's been so much pain and damage and brokenness that God wants to heal and restore you. Some of you need a new heart because it's gotten hard. And you don't experience conviction anymore. And you don't experience the voice of the Lord anymore. And you've lost your compassion. And I believe what God is doing today is he's beginning a healing. I want you to close your eyes for just a minute.